Connections Chat Podcast, where we talk about all things mental health. We believe that connecting with others through honest conversation is our greatest tool in breaking down the stigma that is often associated with mental illness. My name is Lauren Sepulvador, and today we are going to be having one of those conversations. Thank you for listening. everyone. Welcome to this week of the Connections Chat Podcast. This week, I have Krista here with us. Hey, Krista. Hi, Lauren. How are you? Good. So happy to have you here. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. So Krista is one of our program therapists at our Denton location for Connections Wellness Group. I got to intern with her in the summer. She's amazing, you guys. So I'm really excited for everything she has to share today. So Krista is an LMSW currently working on receiving her LS. LCSW soon and has been with Connections for a little over a year working as a program therapist for our PHP and IOP adult mental health group. She sees individual clients in private practice outside of group therapy, and during her career as a social worker, she has worked closely with victims of domestic violence and sexual assault, substance use, and general mental health. In her free time, she enjoys spending time with her loved ones, reading, and traveling. So I don't know how you do it all, Krista. Outside of group therapy, she sees a lot of private practice patients, you guys. I was just asking her how she does it all. But uh, today, she wanted to share about learned helplessness. But let's get started with what inspired you to become a therapist in the first place. That's such a great question. Um, I... I want to take it back, I guess, to what inspired me to be a social worker, which I think started in high school when I took um, a sociology course that kind of was life changing for me. Um, just learning about like gender and racial um, inequality and, you know, different social systems and uh, groups of people. It just kind of, it was really eye-opening. And so I knew that I wanted to help people, which sounds like a very cliche answer, but um, it is the truth. And so... Um, that's what got me into social work. And it's just been kind of a really big passion of mine. And then um, what drives me to want to do therapy and like work clinically with people is just the opportunity to build on everyone's resilience because I feel that everybody is resilient and, you know, just to be able to help people with their struggles and remind them of the resilience and um, talk about their strengths and just kind of help them navigate their journey is just super fulfilling for me. So, yeah. And I can imagine that resilience plays a big part with learned helplessness. It does. So why are you passionate about sharing about that today? So learned helplessness is something I've been noticing a lot in my clients that I've been working with. It's super prevalent. Um, and especially these last few months, I feel like, um, it hasn't just been you know, one or two people, it's been a large number of people. And so it kind of struck me that this isn't just a one-off chance of somebody. Um, a lot of people experience learned helplessness and there's a, I think it's, there's a bigger picture there that people don't necessarily see. Um, I think it has kind of a negative connotation to it because people view it as very much just somebody having a really negative mindset or just being a super negative person. Um, when in reality it's, it's can be biological. It's, it's way deeper than that. Mm. So as an overview, how would you describe learned helplessness? We all probably have our own ideas, but how would you describe it? So learned helplessness, I would describe it's a psychological state. Um, it's not a, um, like diagnosable, uh, mental disorder, but it is 
I guess, a thought disorder in a way. It's a cognitive distortion that people have mm-hmm. um, where they just feel very stuck, um, where they feel very powerless in their situations and they feel like they lack control over their lives or any aspect of their life. And it comes about um, through people that have experienced trauma and abuse. So people you know, with CPTSD um, often experience learned helplessness, but it's also in people that just experience a repetitive cycle of um, stressful situations, um, like patterns where they feel like they're failing. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe it's just one area, um, and then it kind of continues into other areas of life, and it just kind of snowballs into just feeling like you're completely helpless in your situations. There's no way out. Um, And even you know, when presented with solutions or when asked to problem solve or when somebody is trying to help and kind of bring you out of that space, you feel that you're unable to, you feel very stuck. Mm. And you mentioned trauma. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is this also associated with the freeze stress response when somebody goes through traumatic event? It is. Yes. Um, And we know, you know, the stress response, the big ones are fight or flight, but the two that aren't super talked about like fight or flight are freeze and fawn. And so the freeze stress response is a, your brain's way of protecting yourself. Um, when you feel that you're unable to, um, like fight or flight, mm-hmm. um, you just kind of freeze in that moment. It's, it's kind of like dissociating. It's very much feeling, um, very foggy, um, just kind of unable to, to move out of that lack of motivation, um, avoidance, being very distrustful, Mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. And that is, um, for example, somebody who has been in an abusive relationship, you know, when they feel, when they have that stress response and freeze, that's a way to protect themselves because they feel that they can't fight. Mm. They feel like they can't flight. They can't leave because that would be dangerous. And so when you're presented with that threat, you just kind of freeze. Mm. So this is so closely related to power and balances and resilience and Mm -hmm. maybe even being scared to try. So where do you go from there when working with clients? Yeah. So uh, the biggest thing about learned helplessness I feel is, well, not just I feel it's, you know, it's a thing. (laughs) It's very much a control thing. And so, um, I talk a lot in group and with my individual clients about the importance of separating what you have control over and what you don't have control Mm -hmm. over. Because when we focus on the things that we have no control over, it's completely overwhelming. We feel very anxious Mm -hmm. and frustrated and, um, we kind of get into that helpless mindset because you don't feel you have control over your life. And so when you switch your perspective into what you do have control over, that's when you feel very capable. That's when you feel more confident, um, and more focused, uh, to solutions and, and where you want to, how you want to move forward and how you can, um, kind of really change your life in the situation and your environment. Yeah. That makes me think of the locus of control circle for no control, some control and nearly all control in our lives. And I can imagine when you're working with clients like this, you might have to help them differentiate what they do have control over and what they don't, because Mm -hmm. if they're in this learned helplessness state, they might think that they don't have control over much at all in their life. Exactly. It's one of my favorite things to kind of do with group um, and talk about the biggest thing that people 
people kind of put in their circles of control Mm -hmm. is like in the no control area is how people view me, you know, people's thoughts and opinions or how people treat me is a really big one. And so to counteract that, what you do have control over is how you treat other people or, you know, how you talk to yourself. Mm-hmm. So it kind of takes that power back. Yeah. And doing a reframe of positive self-talk and the thoughts that you think to yourself, because mm-hmm. if you're just telling yourself you have no control over anything, that's just going to continue to perpetuate. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's why it's so important to like positive self-talk is huge and it can be really difficult um, for anybody, but especially when you're feeling um, when you're in the state of learned helplessness and you're feeling really down on yourself and your abilities. And, um, there's a lot of shame that surrounds mm. be, somebody being in learned helplessness because you don't feel worthy. You don't feel like, you know, you're deserving of moving forward or deserving of better, a better life or a better environment or better patterns. And mm. so, um, yeah, it's very important to, to take that control back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so powerful. Whenever it's dealing with shame, how do you, you're kind of like building the framework again. So how do you go about that? Yeah, that's, that is truly difficult. Cause I feel like shame, um, is such a powerful emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really difficult to navigate and kind of get out of that shame spiral. And so, in working with people that have learned helplessness and when they feel very shameful, positive self-talk is huge and, and reframing thoughts is really big. So CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, it's, you know, it's taking those negative thinking patterns that we have about ourselves and also like the world around us, our environment. Mm -hmm. And it's really making an effort to reframe those thoughts into a more reality-based way of thinking. Mm into more positive, um, self-talk as well. And it's not something that happens overnight. It's so difficult. And so it really, what I kind of stress to my clients and people in my group and is it is practice, like Mm -hmm. practice, practice every day. And it has to become a part of your routine. Like when you wake up to when you go to sleep. Mm. Yeah. Right before you said that, I was thinking the same thing that I can imagine people would be resistant to this because Mm -hmm. if it's a frame of mind that they've been in for such a long time and like, you can't do the work for them. You can't make them see the end Mm -hmm. here. Right. So I can imagine that there's some resistance in the beginning. There is some resistance and it does become frustrating. Um, or I felt myself when I first started experiencing people with learned helplessness, I felt myself becoming very frustrated. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of took a step back and I feel like when working with people like this, everybody needs to be a little bit more empathetic and compassionate because it is not easy for people. Um, to completely change their mindset, especially people that have gone their whole lives viewing themselves in a certain way or being told that they were inferior and, Mm -hmm. you know, being abused and being talked down to. And so it's very difficult to switch your mindset. And so, um, yeah, I think that empathy is really huge when working with people like that. Yeah, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned CBT. What are some other solutions for learned helplessness? Yeah, so CBT is um, obviously a very big one. Um, behavioral activation is really big in a sense that 
changing your patterns, um, little by little, even if it's something super small. Um, I talk about that in group is like changing certain things in your routine or adding something that's going to bring you joy. Even if that's waking up five minutes earlier and like going outside to have coffee, like something that's going to a way that you're going to act, that's going to activate like more positive emotions and, um, kind of less in those depressive symptoms. So that's a big one, Mm -hmm. um, is changing small behaviors. Um, and I think the first step is for somebody, you know, to reach out for help is Mm -hmm. to have somebody who is in their corner, who's going to empower them. So, you know, reach out for clinical help, reach Mm -hmm. out to for therapy and kind of get that support. Because when you have a therapist that's pointing out your thought patterns and kind of helping you figure everything out, that's going to be so helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, Another big one is ACT, which I'm super into right now. Um, it's acceptance and commitment therapy. And that one's really important because it, there's a hyper focus on your values mm. and who you want to be as a person. And so when you start thinking about your values and what you really stand for, it kind of starts motivating you into becoming the person you want to be into breaking out of um, some of these negative patterns. And when you identify your values, you're able to... Um, start making goals based on those values, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Values can be a compass for people to guide them to what it is that they care about. Also to center them back to themselves of, I have choices of what it is that I care about most of my life and what I Mm -hmm. want to pour into. Absolutely. So I can see that values work would be really important for this. Yeah. It's very huge. It's a really big, really big thing. And in your introduction, you had shared that you've worked closely with victims of domestic violence and sexual assault, substance use. Uh, Why are you drawn to these populations? That's a really great question. Um, That's a really good question. I started early in my social work career at um, Friends of the Family, and so I worked in a domestic violence and sexual assault shelter, women's shelter. Um, It was really, it was heartbreaking, but it was eye-opening because you see the resilience of these women and these people and these children. um, And learned helplessness is so huge in that population. Mm -hmm. And... You know, it's people all the time are asking, like, why don't people just leave a violent situation, you know, and we're very judgmental about um, women and people in general who don't leave a situation like that. But when you think about it, when you're conditioned, it's negative conditioning Mm. Um, when you're conditioned to believe that you're worthless and, you know, all of the other things that come about that. It's definitely difficult to leave that situation and Mm -hmm. you're afraid and your brain is protecting, you know, yourself by going into the freeze mode and you're just kind of unable to make any choices. But, um, I learned a lot Mm -hmm. about that from working there. Um, yeah. And substance use, um, is kind of, you know, a personal thing for me. It's something I've dealt with like on a personal level, um, with people close to me. And so, um, it's affected my life and I have learned a lot about it in that way. And, um, it's, it's something I think that people judge as well, like Mm -hmm. substance use disorders. Um, like why don't people just stop drinking or why don't people stop using drugs? It's so much more than that. It's, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just, uh, more 
systematic and it's Mm -hmm. more, yeah, it's more deep than that. Yeah. For both of those populations, there's so much more to it. Mm -hmm. It's so much more than meets the eye. And if it was that easy, then it wouldn't be such an ongoing issue. There's so many layers to both of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really glad that you shared that because I can see how this is a common thread with all the populations that you've worked with and that it's really um, that you have a heart for this and mm-hmm. it's not easy work, but this is a pattern that you've seen and you're wanting to build up resilience, build up that self-confidence and mm-hmm. help patients because this is something that'll help them throughout their lives. Yeah, I really, what I really want to instill in people is the power that they have the power of their life, of their own life. You know, they, they they're able to navigate their lives when they feel just kind of like they're flailing out of control or Mm -hmm. when they feel super lost or like nothing's ever going to work. And with learned helplessness, it's very much the resistance is so strong. This is never going to work for me. I'm Mm -hmm. never going to do better. It's always going to feel like this. It's always going to feel terrible. And so to be able to help navigate those thought processes and, um, like I said earlier, like build on the resilience and, Mm -hmm. um, start incorporating more positive thinking patterns and behavioral patterns Mm -hmm. and seeing somebody to see somebody get like, watch them kind of climb their way out of learned helplessness is like the best feeling. Yeah. So that's gotta be so powerful. It is. And I love what you said about having empathy when working with clients that are experiencing this, because I can imagine it is challenging at first and it might take a lot of time to be able to get them to practice these behavioral activations and use CBT and different things. But like you said, once you start to see that progress and they start to see that, Mm -hmm. that just continues to grow and grow and will change their life. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's very, the hardest part is getting started. Mm. And so, but it's also, I, the way I do therapy is really supportive and I, I'm very much encouraging all the time. And Mm. so when I see little changes in behavior or thought patterns, like when I hear somebody say, yeah, I guess I did this and that was okay. I'm always Mm. like, actually that was huge. And I like to point that out because we oftentimes are way harder on ourselves and we don't recognize the little improvements that we're doing um, or making. And so just by kind of uplifting them and building their confidence a little bit, like I, I'm happy. I love doing that. Yes. Yeah. Preach. Even those of us that don't experience <laughs> learned helplessness um, to an strong extent, all of us have that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always <laughs> it's always helpful to think, you know, would you say this to your best friend? Would I say mm-hmm. this to my best friend? And almost always the answer is no, but we talk so negatively and so harshly to ourselves. Yes. Yes. That is so true. Um, that's why positive self-talk is so important. And it sounds really silly like when I do affirmation work with people, they're like, they roll their eyes and I'm like, I know <laughs> it sounds really lame to like, look at yourself in the mirror and, and tell yourself how awesome you are. But mm-hmm. it's so helpful because we do talk down to ourselves all the time. And for some reason, it's just ingrained in us to be very hard mm-hmm. and very harsh on ourselves. And, um, just kind of working that into an everyday practice, like brushing your teeth, like say something nice about yourself, you know? Yeah. Just kind of becomes a part of your life. Yeah. Because that's the basis of our relationship with ourselves Yeah, and how we talk to ourselves, the thoughts that we have every day, if they're mm-hmm. overwhelmingly negative, we're going to start to believe that. Yeah. And it starts with us. You know, we, we need to be kind to ourselves so that we can be kind to others. And it just kind of evolves from there and the world will be a kinder place. Yeah. Sounds very like, 
peace and love, but <laughs> I truly mean that. Yeah, there's there's a lot to it. Um, affirmations are around for a reason because they're powerful. And in the beginning, it may feel fake. Or like, right, yeah. Why am I doing this? This is so corny. But after a while, you start to believe it. Exactly. And that's the power in it. Exactly, yeah. It feels very fake at first. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it becomes very natural after a while and just kind of becomes your inner dialogue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this is something that I needed to hear today too, because like I mentioned the last episode, I just started my program therapist role Yeah, and it is just all new. It's overwhelming. I know I'm being hard on myself and those are the thoughts that I'm having in the morning instead of like, it's okay to be new. You're going to get the hang of this. It's all these negative thoughts because Mm -hmm. as you guys know, I'm a perfectionist, (laughs) so I don't like being bad at things and I want to help people the best I can, but it's hard and it's scary. So it's something that I needed to hear today too and to start practicing. Oh, that makes me happy. But you're honestly killing it. Like when you walked in um, the other day to cover David's group, you. but even though you were nervous, you just have this like very positive aura about you and you were just, you know, you kept a positive attitude, even if you felt intimidated. So Thanks. you're doing awesome. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, in closing, maybe tell me a baby therapist, like how hard it was in the beginning, <laughs> which you've grown as a therapist, help my learned helplessness right now. Um, or just any closing thoughts that you'd like to share? Yeah. Um, oh man, when I first started, I had such imposter syndrome. That was the hardest thing to get past. Mm-hmm. Um, that will fade. Um, you just have to be really just aware of your capabilities, um, and your knowledge and you're super knowledgeable. And I mean, it, it, it's starting your day off with confidence. That's the biggest thing. Even if you don't feel confident, Mm -hmm. fake it and you'll eventually start to feel it. Um, but yeah. That's helpful. And I'm just, I'm going to have to start doing that because even this morning I'm like, oh gosh, you know, another day I'm just going to, I'm just going to power through, but it's hard in the beginning, just like any new role is hard. Um, right. but what we do is especially hard yeah. because we never know what we're walking into, but you are such an amazing program therapist and I can tell that your heart is in this. You cared enough to talk about it and being mm-hmm. on the podcast can be scary too. It was so nerve wracking, but I like talking to you is comforting. So I'm, I'm glad that you host this podcast because I feel like you kind of take the nerves out of it. But yeah. Thank you. Yes. Look at us. We're doing scary things as therapists. We're pushing ourselves too. We don't just tell our clients to do it. We're doing the work too. We have to. Yeah. Um, So thank you so much, Krista, for everything that you do and for sharing all of your information today. No one's talked about this on the podcast yet. So I know that everybody will be able to learn a lot. Thank you, Lauren. I appreciate it. the Connections Chat Podcast. Be sure to follow our podcast on your platform of choice to receive updates on our latest episodes. As our community is growing, we would appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave us a review. If this episode resonated with you, please share and start the conversation with your network or support system. And together, we continue to break through the stigma surrounding mental illness.